I'm Nathan Gould. And I'm Lazarus Gromos, and welcome to The Back Peg. This is episode 10, Nathan, or probably like 53 if we include all the World Cup stuff that we did previously. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to have like 10 in brackets. That's right. <laughs> but Laz, yeah. we have a, a guest on for this episode of The Back Peg. Yeah, no, nah, it's awesome. We've got the pleasure of being joined by the one and only Claudio Fabiano, or better known as Claude's, uh, affectionately, host of programs of Optus Sport, the Born Offside podcast, and the uh, SBS World Cup Daily Show as well, and he's an absolute legend. Great to have Claude's on. And joining us on this week's Back Peg episode is Claude's. Claudio Fabiano, host of shows on Optus Sport, hosted the uh, SBS uh, World Cup Daily Show. And of course, host of the Born Offside podcast. Uh, Claude's, thanks for your time and welcome to the Backpack. Thanks for having me, boys. Pleasure to be here. Pleasure to meet you guys finally and, and chat some footy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Claude's just uh we'll do the uh the sh- we'll do the shit stirring to begin with right now off the bat. <laughs> Chelsea. Yeah. Yeah, how's it going with Chelsea? What are you made Look, of the season mate, so far? Mate, I think I think uh it's been it's been really strange. Uh, it's been a strange experience to to watch Chelsea unfold both from the background and on the pitch. It's just, it's odd, really. It, it doesn't really feel like you're watching the same club at times. Um, lots of new faces, new manager, new ownership, new background staff. So it's, it's difficult to find out what the identity is. But in saying that, those two legs against Dortmund reinvigorated a lot of Chelsea fans. Champions League night, pressure, 1-0 down at home to win like that. I think that that won a lot of people back over and it's patience. It's a project. I actually think it's quite a, it's a bizarre project. Any football fan will feel that way, but I think it's a project that actually will get success in the next few years. Uh, Whether you agree with it or not, I I think it will be a successful one under Todd Bowley. So it's interesting. We'll wait and see, but yeah, not really a season to remember unless they pull something incredible out in the Champions League. They have prize, don't they, Chelsea? Yeah. Yeah. In a, in a season where it's not going too well on the domestic front, pulling out a, a remarkable run in Europe to go and uh, win the whole thing, emulating 2012, perhaps. Yeah. Um, for mine with Chelsea, just the, the question is what's going to happen in a couple of years' time when you've got some players who are getting their nose out of joint and they're on long contracts. You can't really ship players on as easily as you would on a, on a shorter deal, of course. Do you think that's going to be a bit of a problem down the line? Yeah, it could be. Could be. Could turn out to be a problem. Could turn out to be a financial gain if they sell some of those players after three years of playing well for Chelsea and they've still got four years in their contract. You know, could they be 150 million plus players potentially? I don't know. Um, we've never seen contracts like that in football before. No. Uh, so, so I guess time will tell. But yeah, you're right. But it does feel like a bit of a project. And from what I gather, from what I read, you know, a lot of the the statisticians, people behind the decision-making at Chelsea from US-backed sport. They come at it with almost like a, a Moneyball-esque method. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and these things have worked in other sports. They've worked in football before. Mm. So I don't know. I'm very interested to see how this Chelsea team looks in three, four years. It might be a completely new team. You know, five years on from winning the Champions League with Tuchel, there probably won't be one face that started that Champions League That's final. Right. But mm. Let's see how that works. It might work for them. I don't know. It's a strange time. I don't really know how to feel, but I'm also not judging it too early, which football fans often do. Yeah, we're here. I'm a Newcastle United fan and Nathan's a Manchester United fan. So right. we get all the judgment <laughs> and completely <Yeah>. understand. <laughs> but um, Tail's not as high as it was a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. No, that's right. That's right. <laughs> but um, the reason why we got you on is in particular talk about the game here locally. Right, we're mm. um, we're doing a, a bit of a small series on uh, focusing on the the local game, and 
your you've, your involvement in it in the media, but also as a player in through the NPL system and all that mm. kind of stuff, right? What do you see as the biggest challenge facing the game here locally at the moment going into the future? And that could be on any front. I mean, there's so, so many fronts that you can attack mm. that question with, right? But straight yeah. off the bat, when you think of the game locally, what's your biggest uh, challenge that you see? Oh, yeah. So many, there's so many spots you can start on, right? I mean, it's easy... <sighs> Money's at the root of all the problems with the game, be it a lack of money, be it too much money paid to get your kid to play. Money is at the at the forefront of what is wrong with football in a lot of ways. Um, what is wrong with the game as well? On top of that, there's the issues of uh, the support of the game is in a very interesting place. I think football is more supported than it's ever been. I, I see every kid wearing football jerseys. I see everyone tuning in to to your Optus sports and your stands and your beans to watch European football. How do you convert those people to local football? I don't think many countries have the problem of converting because it's the same sport, mm. but we do, we have that problem here. So that's a massive issue too. Um, but ultimately I think it comes down to money. It comes down to lack of, and that's everything from infrastructure, youth development, um, the reason I say money as well, it's not just a lack of money for A-League clubs to pay players or too much money for parents to put their kids in an MPL system, but it's also money, lack of transfer fees, which has always been a massive problem, you know, and what is in it for an MPL club to develop a player and not charge them $3,000 a year if they can only sell a player for 5000 to an A-League mm. club, which was the case up until recently. It was $5,000 flat fee, which a lot of A-League clubs never paid. So- yeah, I, I hate to talk about money, but unfortunately, it is the biggest problem in Australian football. Yeah, and that feeds into things like marketing as well. You can go down that route as well. All comes yeah. back to the the root of all evils, of course, uh, being being the monetary gain. And in the last couple of weeks, we've seen some deals announced for youth development, the likes of um, Atalanta and Adelaide City being yeah. one of the highlight ones. And there's been a few of these down the years. I I remember the Marconi Borussia Dortmund one that uh, may or, may or may not still be around, but it seems as though some of the European clubs are looking to bypass the A-League and that yeah. may feed into a, a future second division when that mm. finally gets up and running. But why do you think that is? Why is it that some of these European clubs who are, for the most part, well-run, they're just bypassing our professional level? Yeah, I look, I, I do doubt the extensiveness of these partnerships because they have been happening for a long time. I remember, I don't know if it was Parramatta Melita or Blacktown City had to do with Manchester United. We're talking 20 years ago, I remember. Um, there was that 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 Marconi-Dortmund deal happened when I was at Marconi, so I remember that yeah. deal. Um, I, I didn't I, see yeah. a whole lot, to be completely honest, yeah. from that. Um, I, there was a Hull City one. Hull City or Wigan? I think it was, no, you know, it might have been Wigan happened. One of them when I was at Sutherland Sharks and we had mm. a coach come once to a couple sessions mm. um i think the, the good thing about it is if oh, there was a roma one when i was at sydney olympic so i've seen a lot of them i think the good thing is if coaches are able to go over there and spend time with them and i guess mm. uh develop their footballing education that would be a big win i'm not holding my breath and thinking that players are going to be sold to these clubs mm. um but yeah you're right in general some people might bypass the a-league uh, i think i think if this second division does get up and running, I think there'll be fans that bypass the A-League as well. New football fans, I think, mm. will choose to support a local community over the A-League. Um, and and up until recently, these clubs have had youth development all the way down to eight years old, whereas mm. the A-League only just added that in. They've got a lot of culture, you know, Adelaide City, Italian background. It makes mm. sense to, to do a tie with Atalanta, but I, I'm, I'm still yet to see what any of these 
relationships with European clubs do, to be honest with you. Mm. <laughs> I haven't seen much from them in the past. So I wouldn't hold my breath if I was an Adelaide City youth player that I'll be playing in the Serie A. But it's nice to see. It's nice to see. If it puts Australian football on the map a little bit more than it did the day before, then we'll take it. Mm. Uh, I, I remember that there was also Sydney Olympic and Schalke, I think, at one point as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there was that as well. Hey, for, that uh, worked for George, George Timothy. You know, yeah, there was did. a centre back yeah. that, that did end up going to Schalke and he played yeah, one right. game in the Bundesliga. So, mm. you know, that's an example. Mm. Um, so, the issue that I've perceived myself, and, you know, you, you guys might have a, a different view on it, is there appears to be a lack of engagement from, and we'll take the professional aspect straight into it right so from the a-league interconnecting with the grassroots and yes they bypass the mpl and obviously the mpl clubs need to try and engage with the grassroots as well because that's where their stream of players are going to come from and we're talking about like park football clubs as well right so the question is is yes we've got the highest number of participants how do we get the levels of engagement from the a-league the mpl and obviously the national second division if it does kick off Right when it does kick off, will stimulate even further engagement between those tiers of football. Right. Mm. The question is, is how do we actually convert the kids that are playing in park football to be engaged with these clubs and engage with the A League teams and going to see you know Sydney FC or Western Sydney Wanderers or you know Perth Glory. Yeah, but- it's it's a it's a big question. It's a loaded question. It's difficult, but at the same time, I don't think it's that difficult. You said a lot of key things there that that uh, give us the answer. I think you you said that it is high participants, and you also mentioned kids. Mm. So you're right. Most of the participants are young. Most people mm. that play football, the majority are younger, and I don't think that the money that's being spent in promoting our football, our professional leagues, is being directed towards these younger audiences. Um, you know, if if the guys that are older aren't popping down to the games aren't watching on paramount it's almost it's not a lost generation but i think they should focus a lot more on the youth coming through are you speaking to them you know do the do the kids know the game is on i mean i'm still seeing see i I live in sydney i'm still seeing sydney fc games are advertised on street poles yeah sticky tape around a street pole but i'm i'm not getting the social ads that i should get and for me the 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 league which does this better than anyone which i look at very closely is the mls they managed to launch a new club in a new city that hasn't had a team before and fill it and it works and it has its own culture and its own chance and its own colors and everything about it works and so i think here I think the issue is you want to hit these new audiences. You've got to redirect some cash towards new forms of media, be that social media and all the rest. Mm. You've got to fix your viewing experience. So whether that is in collaboration with Paramount Plus and and Channel 10, you've got to fix that, right? And you've got to have it in a way that these people, they can see through crap. They can. can. You're talking about a a generation which has grown up with a mobile phone. They can see through crap. And is the money there? It should be. A lot of money was spent on an app which was a news app, Keep Up. And I don't know how many of the new generation are interested in that type of content. I'm not saying we don't no, need it. No, that's right. We're talking, we're talking eight figures were spent on yep. an app to give yep. the news to, when you could have spent far less than that to change your social strategy, to change your highlight strategy and even your, your streaming and hit this whole new audience and make the league cool. Local football isn't cool enough. That's that's no, that's, that's what right. it is. And that's why I got into media. That's the first reason yeah. why I got into football media was because yeah. I felt like if I can sit down with these footballers, with these clubs, I can make them look cool because what they are doing is really cool and it should mm. be admired. But mm. unfortunately, it's got this uncool look about it. 
kids don't think that the A-League is cool. They don't want to be an A-League footballer. It's not the coolest cat on the block here in Australia. Every other country in the world, pro footballers are cool, but not sure. here. And I think that's, that's what needs to change. Yeah, there's a lot of things to unpack from that. And you mm-hmm. mentioned the app. And for one, speaking from my own view, I personally don't have the app downloaded onto my phone. And I get my news from other sources. And that does a, just as good a job of collating everything that happens in Australian football. And you can tie that into other leagues around the world. And to develop an app with that amount of money, it just seems completely backwards to me. There's plenty of existing channels to reach people with your news, however it may come out good or bad. News is going to get to people. It's just a case of getting people to engage and to care about the news that you're putting out there. And Uh elsewhere in in your answer there, you mentioned expansion, referring to the MLS clubs. And I think with West United and MacArthur, launching a club in COVID is always going to be more difficult. Uh And the last time we launched a club without the pandemic hanging over the the league was Western Sydney, of course. Uh Yeah. And the thing is, though, just this week, and I'd like to ask you on this a bit later on perhaps, but... We had two locations confirmed for the A-League expansion just today, but it's for the 24-25 season. It's not three, four years in advance like we see over in the States. It's well in advance that they announced their expansion teams. That allows surely the culture to develop, as you're referring to. And all these things point to a bit of a a straw man, not really a straw man, but a a poor strategy, I suppose. There's no real Mm. long-term thinking it's what can we do right now to fix things but mm. there's no wider lens applied yeah but to, to be fair Nathan I think Canberra's been in the, on the cards for ages it's been right? they, missed, they missed the last they missed the last uh round right mm. Auckland is going back to Auckland is the is obviously population wise is makes sense but is the demand there yeah it's an interesting one isn't it there's a lot of people that have made noise about that Auckland one more than mm. anything I yeah didn't work at the start of the A-League, but I personally am really happy with the two selected cities. Um, I think Canberra makes sense. They already have the women's team. Um, They had the youth team in the past. They don't anymore, but they had a youth team. So I think that one makes sense. Uh, I I, I understand your point there on the branding and giving it time to actually build a culture. Fortunately enough for Canberra, they do have, I guess, a club that exists and it's very closely tied to the colors and the culture of the Canberra Raiders as well. I think that's important. I I think clubs should unite with other codes. I I personally, that's why I'm excited about the Sutherland Sharks, Cronulla Sharks beat. I think it's it's smart. Um, And Auckland, you know, I don't know. Let's see. Maybe it's going to be a little bit different to the New Zealand Knights. You know, Auckland... They're a successful club in Oceania. They go to the Club World Cup every every yeah. year. Hopefully, the city gets around it for that reason, and they they jump on that history. Mm. Um, I'm excited for it. But yeah, expansion is good. But you're right; it does feel a little bit like a knee jerk reaction to the second division, and also the risk of losing people to that. Mm. Um, but sometimes competition is healthy, and it could result in something better for all of us. And Auckland will be good mm. for the Phoenix as well. Exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm glad you mentioned the MLS Claudes because I think that's where we need to look. As far as that's concerned, and look, you know the um, the unique decision that they've made with regard to Apple TV and actually going long term into that space with that partner, right, is yeah. I think one that we can, you know, we need to look into and actually learn from. Um, what was your thoughts on that when you actually saw something like that, being in the media space and also being a football person and actually wanting to get into uh, football media? The way that you have, and right, all credit to to you, Kat and Olan, right? Because you guys do an amazing job on the pot, right? Thank you, thank you very much. Um, so, yeah, what were your thoughts when you did see the uh, MLS Apple TV deal and these clubs? I mean, and St. Louis, that's the latest um, franchise. Oh, I hate using the word, but that's the latest team that's being yeah. launched there, and they've done an amazing job, yeah. right? 
Yeah, what were your yeah. thoughts when you, around those things? Look, the Apple TV deal is, is massive. Of course, the market size over there is just yeah. something different. But to, to sign a 10-year deal like that and and not just the MLS, but the MLS Next as well. So you're, you're looking after your youth. You're looking after all your brands that are associated with it. I'm excited to see. There will be, I don't know if it's been announced yet, but you know there will be BTS shows done. Drive mm. The drive to survive of football will sure. be coming on Apple TV. You know, And you best believe when you sign with someone like that, um, you're going to get all of that. I think that's the intention of the A-League. I think that is the intention of Keep Up Studios. Yeah. And we've seen it with the mini docos done every week now. Yeah, really it's it, yeah. it's a step in the right direction, yeah. right? And it's if you if you can own your own media, mm. um, MLS have the partner that is Apple, but they also have their own MLS studios, right? Mm. So they have their own production company. So if you can own your own media, then you can control the narrative, you can control the storylines. And I think that that is a step in the right direction. But yeah, the MLS just nail it, man. I'm I'm so I I it's a hard it's a hard concept because people always say, oh, we should look at European football. And then others say sure. we should look at a, a US. And what I think we did wrong was we landed right in the middle. Mm. Um, we had elements of our game that are like Europe. And then we had elements of our game like franchise and no promotion relegation mm. and all that. That was like the US. Mm. And we landed in this dead zone. It's almost like I'd rather they just bite the bullet and go 100% franchise yeah. and make it like yeah. an American sport. I don't mind as long mm. as it works either mm. way. So I agree with you. The MLS is brilliant. The way they, they you know, if you look at that St. Louis, they started 3-0. and So they've clearly got the football staff right mm. they their hype going into day one and, and i guess the the analysis on the people that they do before launching a club everything like the colors the mm. crest the logo the the concept that they had the night before game one where they invited everyone and they made it a huge thing for the city mm. um it's just incredible it really is incredible and that comes from a huge amount of funding as well in the mm. mls which which we don't have here mm. but i'm excited for expansion and hopefully they get this right canberra has a very unique culture there are a lot of creators i know because i come from the football creator space there's a mm. lot of really talented creators in canberra and i really hope that they're involved in this expansion um same with auckland i really hope they go into the local community and something that i don't think they did well enough in geelong and Western United. Mm. Um, and I don't think they did well enough in MacArthur. So hopefully they learned their lessons. There's been a lot of changes in the hierarchy there at the APL in these last few years. Yeah. So hopefully this this new band get it right this time. But you're right, the MLS is a perfect model to follow. And we've got the stories to tell, like with uh Nestor. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I've heard you mention in the last couple of pods, right? Mm. Absolute you know, absolute story there for yeah. kids that uh, you know are under the age of 10 to be able to you know see that this kid's only six years older than you and look where he's going yeah yeah it's an incredible you know I mean? story isn't it and yeah you know he, he just looks like a really good kid sorry nathan you were going to say i didn't mean to steal your thunder there no that's fine it, it tacked on nicely and uh, i can tack on again because nestor nestroy he's come in and taken a spotlight that uh grand Qual's vacated in leaving yeah. the country mm. it didn't yeah. take australian football long to find the next one on the production line, so to speak. And yeah. uh, it's that is one of the things that the ALIC has to its credit. There always is a one dynamic youngster coming through. You can go back a couple of years and, and, and highlight Arzani as well. And whether these kids go on to be superstars or they have a bit of a hiccup and come back to our shores, that's by the by. The fact is that there are plenty of young kids coming through in Australian football for people to get excited about and people to go out and want to see. And it's interesting that a lot of the three players that I just mentioned there, they're not really ones that have come through the proper pathways. They're more unique in a sense. For mine, I think Australian football produces too many midfielders, too many mm. players who are too safe with the ball. They want to retain possession and there's not enough ingenuity. There's not enough spark in a lot of the players that are produced, I think, by Australian football. And that feeds into what 
some of the style of football that we saw at the World Cup. And no one is really uh, put off by the results and what happened under Arnie's team. Of course, they're not. The results are fantastic. But the style of football did start to get people the wrong way, I think. The fact that we didn't really want too much of the possession. We wanted to hit teams on the break. And that's something we have to do. But I want to hear your thoughts on, on that. Is it the case that the wrong profiles of player are being produced yeah i've always i've always been a bit skeptical of the curriculum and oh. i guess how much it's forced how much <laughs> it's forced went, on players that play yeah, the word seriously yeah. far out man <laughs> fuck's sake the it's curriculum dirty, curriculum a, i mean a, you've yeah and you've grown up in it right i mean yeah you know, you've been around it for how long right and i grew up you with that yeah I, yeah. Yeah. Well, we grew up with uh, we grew up with the change to the four three three in the curriculum, Ooh. the Dutch system. We grew up with Project Twenty Two when we were bidding mm. for the World Cup, and that was a big thing. And about how good we were going to be in twenty twenty two. And then when we didn't get the World Cup, it just got binned, mm. and the players went went back to the MPL. Um, and yeah, it's 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 a bit off putting. And you're right. I feel like uh, that that center mid thing that you mentioned. It is quite interesting, right? It's like everyone's. I guess specialized positions are coached out, particularly under the age of 13. I coached a bit of SAP level as well. And the, mm. the curriculum is very much based around every player having the same abilities and, and covering all bases, which I understand, you know, a defender being able to play, uh, a striker knowing how to defend and this type of stuff. But you can't help but feel like specialized players are sometimes being bred out of the game. And one of the best players that's ever put on the green and gold is one of the most specialized players we've ever seen, right? Which is Tim Cahill. Mm. Um, how good would Tim Cahill have been in 8v8 possession at training probably not amazing mm. like I, I don't think he would have been amazing I never played with him mm. but I know players that played with him and they told me he wasn't that amazing but he was so specialized in 11v11 he had a role and you know how to do it so I agree with you it's 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 sometimes frustrating to watch Australian teams play and uh, yeah I, it's like a, a lot of players being produced that are maybe 6 out of 10 in everything but have nothing extraordinary um, and so when you do see a player like Nestri come out and more than anything it's mental for him I think mm. what impressed me about him, his first goal was a free kick at 15. Mm. It wasn't the fact that he scored the goal. It was the fact that he came on at 15 and took a free kick in the last minute of the game. And that was like yeah. something that that I think is another issue. It's not just the technical coaching. It's that players aren't encouraged to be themselves at, at all levels of the game. Even yeah. A-League players that I know, they're so scared. They are so scared because they're on one-year contracts and mm. they're scared of injury. They're scared of upsetting their coach. They're scared of talking to the media sometimes. You know, I've had players come on my podcast where after the podcast, oh, can I listen to that back? Oh, I might have said, oh, this might have come around. I, I said I like yeah, to go out with my friends. I don't really want the coach to hear that mm. I go out. Mm. Oh, come on, mate. You know what yeah, I mean? Like everyone's scared. Take the personality out, you know? Yeah. yeah. You, that, that, you that's actually the really concerning, to be honest. Yeah. The, the, the players are coming out with that sort of uh, feeling that oh, I really shouldn't be saying that. It, they're too heavily media trained. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that it's a similar thing that you see on the pitch as well. It's that a lot of players are maybe scared to take that risk to throw that step over, to take that player on, to do something interesting. Um, and, and it's unfortunate because you're not going to breed superstars like that. So I agree with you. It is, it is a bit shame, but we are getting some great players coming through and we are also seeing the result of such a diverse landscape in Australia. It's so multicultural and it's exciting when a multicultural country shines through in football as well, mm, yeah. you know, and you've got, you've got an Eastern European influence. And so you've got these rock hard players. Um, you've got an African influence now. So you've got dynamism coming through. Mm. You've got always the Italians, the Greeks, so these players, the South Americans mm. that come through and you're getting so many different influences and mm. that's how you get a really cool national team, right? Cause yeah. you don't have to have one fixed identity. So that's exciting to see these boys coming through. Yeah. Women's world cup clubs. Massive. I don't, I don't think, the Australian public and the New Zealand public at large know what we're in for. Nah. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's it's going to be amazing. 
It really is going to be amazing. I I can't wait. I can't wait. I think the whole world is going to pay attention to this tournament. And I think everyone, like you said, everyone here is going to wake up. It's going to be a bit like Christmas, I think. The day before, it's going to finally feel like there's a World Cup here. Until then, it probably won't hit. Um, but all the focus will be about it. It's an amazing opportunity, not only for football, but for women's sport as a whole. Um, not just in Australia. I think worldwide. I don't think the women's game was at this level in 2019. Oh, great. Um, and I don't think we saw the numbers that we were, we are seeing now. I think that the biggest tournament we've ever seen in the women's game was the Euros last year. Mm. And now this is a world tournament and we get to host it. So I think this is going to be by far the biggest thing that's ever happened in women's sport worldwide. And it's great that it's in our country. And for football, our game, we should all unite and and I guess get behind this because it can have a lasting impact on men's, women's, youth, all football here. So it's huge. It's huge. And it is a World Cup and it is a chance for Australia to show that we can host the World Cup too. It absolutely is. And we saw with the last major tournament on our shores with the Asian Cup on the men's side, of course, and we saw not just people getting out for the Australia games. They got out for the matches not involving the domestic team. And you had sides from the Middle East coming out and we had great crowds. Should you implore? Well, that's not that's an, that's an easy answer for you, but how important is it to, for people to get out to the games not involving Australia and New Zealand? Perhaps you can throw England in that mix as well. The the teams that are not necessarily the focal point, the the ones that you first think of when it comes to the women's game. Yeah, it's it's very important, and I think again it needs to be marketed in the right way. It will be because FIFA's involved. So when FIFA's involved, there will be no, you know, there'll be a lot of money spent on this, and, and the ticketing packages are good too. I I, I um I'll you know the broadcast I work a lot for is showing the world cup. So I'm quite involved in it from a media point of view, but I've been having a look at how the process is of buying tickets and it's really cool how they've bundled them up. And so it makes sense for you to buy a local stadium ticket, go watch your Matildas, but then get down to those other games that you wouldn't have if they were just individual tickets. Mm. So I really like the way they've done that. And uh, you're right. You know, you talk about the Asian cup 2015, my favorite game of that tournament was Iran, Iraq in Canberra. Uh, yeah. How many times the amount of people that we've spoken to on the pod that have actually yeah. said that is crazy. Yeah. It's amazing. It's well, an amazing yeah. game yeah, for every reason. Like it had everything 100%. you want in football and the crowd was electric. And so mm. more than anything, it's an opportunity for you to go down and see these communities. And there's no better country than Australia because hopefully tourists come, hopefully they come and they mm. will, some of them will, mm. but even if they didn't, you know, there's a game I've got my eye on. As an Italian, um, mm-hmm. you know, my, I'm born here, but my parents are born in Italy. And so Italy are based in New Zealand, the mm. women's team. But there is a game, if they come second in their group, mm. which I think they will because mm-hmm. they've got Sweden, yep. they'll be playing the USA in Sydney in the round of 16. And that that's a game where, for example, if no Italian flew to Australia, you would still fill that stadium. Of course. With- it's a lot of Australians. Absolutely. And that's the beauty of Australia and how multicultural we are. Yeah. There are a few nations that are so massively represented that that game is one that I'm really looking forward to because it'll feel like you're watching Italy at at, at what traditionally would have only been thought of at a men's world cup. Mm, mm. So I can't wait for that. Yeah. Who's your favorite to take it out at this stage? I, I, I really, you know, I, I don't want to say I hope, but I really don't want it to be the USA. <laughs> you I, 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 think that's, I think you got consensus here. <laughs> I really don't want it to be. And that's no disrespect on, on well, those ladies at all. 100%. That's, they've been an incredible team. Incredible They're team. amazing. Yeah. They're amazing. It's on the football system. I love what Europe have done now. And so I really hope it is a European team. In saying that, the Lionesses come in, I'd say, is the favorite from Europe, mm. not just because of how good they were at the Euros, but because of the lack of controversy. Mm. Whereas France, Spain, Spain, yeah, Spain so got their shit together, and likewise yeah. France. You yeah. know, the they'd name, be real threats. 
There would be. There would be. I mean, the three French players that pulled out are massive players. And so mm. I think they'll, I, th- I reckon they'll resolve that and they will come and play. Mm. But, um, but yeah. It's typical French, say- but isn't it? Con- controls him before a World Cup. <laughs> it is. It is. It's unbelievable, isn't it? It's unbelievable. I, I, I'll go with England purely because they yeah. just look like such a unit at the yeah, moment. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Uh, Matildas, how mm. do we think they're going to go? I'm, I'm, I'm still. Oh, Semi final still- is standard. Is that the benchmark that they need to hit? Because there's got to be a an expectation, right? I, yeah, Where do we draw yeah. the line there? I agree. I, I'm a big fan of expectations, like you said. And I think the women's game um, does need that as well to grow. Mm. The same type of expectations that are placed on men's football, we should place them on the women's game. Mm. I do agree with you. I think a semi-final finish is what we expect from our national team. I'm, I'm a bit worried. Recent mm. international breaks have been better. But mm-hmm. I am a little bit worried and I do question some of the selection and the decisions made. However, one thing I won't question is that a lot of our women have developed mm-hmm. out of sight since moving to Europe. Um, and the whole A-League women's half season with America half season, I don't think that was the best method. Now that they're there playing full-time professional football in Europe, you've seen the development, even of mm-hmm. our golden girl, Sam Kerr, mm-hmm. you've seen the evolution in her game. The goal she scored on the weekend is not a goal she used to score. You no, know, there's, there's, a, there's a different level of quality now on her, Caitlin Ford, these girls. So, yes, semi-final is the minimum. I'm worried, but semi-final is the minimum <laughs> expectation. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned a team potentially getting their shit together, and it looks as though the Matildas are starting to get to that point now where they, they're looking ready to take on this tournament. And Cup of Nations overwhelmingly looks like a positive mm-hmm. coming out of that the last international break. And you mentioned some of the players that are coming on leaps and bounds in recent years. And look, Australian football, we seem to be getting up for the big tournaments. So perhaps we can do it once again. And hey, home advantage has uh, has something to play as well, I think. It does. Big time. Big time. They're going to be ready for it. I think well, I'm, I'm very confident in Australia going forward. Mm. I am. I'm a little bit skeptical at the back, but I'm very confident mm. going forward. So let's see. what the, There's a lot of pressure on uh, on the big so, gaffer, Tony Gustafsson. Let's see what he so, picks. Tony G, eh? Mm, lots of pressure on him. <laughs> Mixtape dropping soon. Tony G. That's it. <laughs> um, quick fire round now. Who wins Beautiful. Champions League? Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, he's like, hey, you uh, means. Yeah, man. I'm going to go with the absolute dream. I'm going to go with something. I'm, I'm going to go with Napoli. I had a feeling you were going to say that. Yeah. They're my dark horse. I would love to see it. But, I mean, well, they've already got the Scudetto. That's... Yeah. A given, yeah. So that's yeah. done. No, yeah. They've been unreal. They've been unreal. And I and yeah. I and I think that no team that's left in the draw wants to actually face them. No, no, exactly right. Exactly. Right. It'd be a real no. shame if they uh, fall apart in the morning against Frankfurt. We have a thing. It's authentic. It goes out as it is. So if we fucked up. We fucked up. <laughs> um, a league. Nobody can beat Melbourne City. Yeah. In the fight, including the finals, you including say who the wins the, the toilet mm. seat? Mm. Mm. I'm going to go with, I hope Adelaide win it. I'm going to go with Adelaide United. Good shot. And shout. they showed they can beat City. Good so, shot. Yeah. Nathan, you got any? Does Arsenal hold on to the Premier League? Oh, good one. Yeah. Oh, man. That's a good question. Hey, they've got that run coming up at the back end of April. Mm. Uh, this is a, City, this Chelsea, is Brighton, this. Newcastle, all in a row. This is a tough one because I, I, I can see City going on one of those unbelievable runs and, and, and I just don't. Uh, you, you know don't, what? I'm you gonna, don't want I'm, them to. You don't want them to. But I'm gonna yes. say I'm gonna say Arsenal hold on. I'm gonna say Arsenal hold on. This is their year. I'm gonna say it. Yeah. Uh, you're a good and man. Do Chelsea course. hold on to the WSL? They have to, surely now. No, I don't think Chelsea hold on to the WSL. Ooh. 
Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. It's so close up there. It is. Um, and they've been very dominant. They've been very good. But I think I don't think Arsenal win it either. I back one of the Manchester clubs. If mm. City didn't start so slow, I think they deserve it. Mm. Yeah, they, they they haven't lost since round two, so I think they deserve it. So I, I think yeah, a couple speed bumps in the road and City could take it still. Claude's absolute legend, mate. People can find you on the Born Offside podcast, which is a great listen uh, on Optus Sport. Anywhere else they can find you. Just any of my socials, Claude's on TikTok, Instagram, all the rest. And, and and I guess I post everything I do on there. So thank you for having me. And I'd like to say to you guys, mate, I commend you guys on, on your balance between world football, Australian football, male football, and female football. It's, it really is refreshing to listen to. Oh, thanks, mate. Thank you very much. Covering all bases. Thank you. Yeah, we, we try our best. We try our best, mate. Thank you very much. <laughs> Absolute legend. And uh, we'll um, be in touch soon. Hopefully, we'll get you back on again. Definitely. Anytime, guys. Best of thank- luck with everything. Cheers, thanks, Claude. Yeah, Cheers. Mate, thank you very much for that. Greatly no appreciate worries, it. Guys. Awesome. Awesome. That no, was great to chat to you. Great chat. Um, let's hope Napoli don't bomb out tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs>